five. Uh, let's read together. Will it come up in the new King, King James? There we go. NSB. All right, there we go. After three, one, two, three. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Self-control against such things, there is no law. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes to see your truth, open our ears to hear your voice, open our minds to understand your word, and our hearts to receive everything that you have in store for us. Lord, we want to be more than mere hearers of your word, but do us also. We pray in the name of Jesus that today someone watching online, someone... uh, uh, who will hear this message afterwards, will come to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray in the name of Jesus that we'll apply the truths and the principles and the promises that you'll teach us this morning to our everyday life. So we will walk closer in relationship with you and we will begin to love people better. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. As we look at faithfulness this morning, I want to I want to take you into what faithfulness means according to the scripture. According to the scripture and in the context that it was used and it is used in this particular uh, scripture on the fruit of the spirit. Now, Now, faithfulness is a word we do not hear very often these days. It is a word usually reserved for probably retirement parties or when a marriage fails you probably hear the opposite of it, which is unfaithful. But you rarely hear people use faithfulness in everyday life. Uh, It's primarily used amongst church. uh, uh, And and probably primarily during a church service setting. Uh, When most of us, though, think of the word faithful, we think of things that are old. Um, my dog may be old and ugly, and so you may say she's faithful. Or your car may be old and ugly, but you say it is faithful because it has, you know, it has, it has gone through the test of time and it still remains. There are some things that we have, you know, you have a pair of shoes and you say, boy, the shoes is faithful. It, it may look rugged and rough and stuff, but it has been through the trenches, right? And we say it is faithful. But to be faithful uh, in a biblical view means to be reliable. It means to be trustworthy, dependable, and consistent. And so I'm going to have that come up on the overhead so you can see it because I want you to I want you to have that as your notes, to to write down what that means. To be faithful means to be reliable, trustworthy, dependable, and consistent. So when we speak of a person who is faithful, that person is a reliable person, a trustworthy person, a dependable person, and a very consistent person. And so that makes faithfulness a very rare quality. It is not easy to find someone who can be relied on or you can really count on. Or it's very hard to find consistent people. 
Most times we find that people start out good. Have you ever, if you operate business or you have ever employed anyone probably to work in your home, and the, the first two days they reach on time, they do everything you say, and as they get into the groove, they fall out of consistency. Have you ever noticed that, that after a while, when people get used to a system, inconsistencies begin to creep in? Faithfulness is, even when it is routine, I'm very consistently excellent. I'm very consistently loving. I'm very consi- You understand? Regardless of what is happening, I don't, I, I don't fit into the modus operandi. I don't just change with what is happening. I'm going to be consistent throughout it all. You can depend on me to be the same. A good example of that is there are some persons who only wear one perfume. They, I mean, every time that one finishes, they get the same brand. And so they have a consistent smell. From they were 20 and now they are 50, they smell the same way. It don't matter what new fragrance come out, that's what they are sticking to. That's their smell. That's their style. In fact, Proverbs 20 verse 6 in the Good News translation says, Everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is, but try to find someone who really is. A question to ask. Everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is. But try to find someone who really is. Right? But we should strive to be faithful for a couple of reasons. You can write these down somewhere. First one is, we should be faithful because God is faithful. God is faithful. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 3 says, The Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Why should I be faithful? Because God is faithful. Since God desires for us to be like him, he wants us to learn to be faithful. Another reason why we should be faithful is that God rewards faithfulness. The reason one is that God is faithful. The second reason to be faithful is that God rewards the faithfulness. When you are a faithful person, God will reward you. In the book of Revelation, this promise is made. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you'll be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. God rewards faithfulness. I'm going to be consistent until I die. The Bible says over and over again that a faithful person will be richly blessed. So if you want to be rewarded in heaven, you should learn how to become a faithful, a dependable person. A consistent person, a reliable person, a trustworthy person. So let me ask you, do you have a reputation of being reliable and dependable? Can people rely on you? Rely on your word? Rely on you showing up? 
Can people depend on you? You may be talented, educated, and creative. But if you're not dependable, your talents are not worth much. We must be dependable. In fact, one person said the greatest ability is dependability. Can people depend on you? Can they depend on you to turn up and be faithful and reliable? You see, on the flip side, unfaithfulness is the cause of many problems in life. An unreliable person causes problems. An inconsistent person causes problems. An unfaithful person causes problems. So the opposite of faithfulness causes many problems in life. You check it. Inconsistency in your life will cause relationship problems. If you're unreliable, you're going to have relational issues. If people cannot depend on you, you're going to have relational issues. And so Proverbs 25, 19 says, Like a bad tooth. Have you ever had one of those? Like a bad tooth. And an unsteady foot is confidence in a faithless man in time of trouble. Faithless people in troubled times is like toothache. I mean, let me tell you Bellyache, Bellyache is bad. Headache is bad. But toothache is on a different level. And the scripture is saying, when you're faithless, you're like toothache. Just think about that for a while. Unreliable people are a pain. Like a bad toothache or a sore foot. So when it says an unsteady foot, it means sore foot. Unreliable people are, are a sore foot. Inconsistent people are a sore foot. Come on, just say, that ain't me, pastor. The thing is that when you are depending on an unreliable person, you can never be relaxed. Think about it. When you know that the person is unreliable and inconsistent, you know what happened? You're on edge. Because you don't know if they're going to do. If they're going to say. In the back of your mind, you're always wondering, will he or she let me down? Or will he or she come through this time? Working with inconsistent people is extremely frustrating. But God calls each of us to faithfulness. So today we are going to look at five areas that you can uh, uh, work on or work in or work through to develop faithfulness in your life. Five areas of your life where faithfulness needs to be developed so we can be faithful people. Let me tell you, we have to be faithful because in the last days, faithfulness is what is going to keep us. As things get tougher, we're going to have to be faithful. Just like God's promises stand and great is his faithfulness, we must be people of great faithfulness. And this is serious stuff. Because as things get tighter financially, you must remain consistent. You must remain faithful. 
You must remain reliable. People must still be able to depend on you. There are some people, for example, who are available when nothing now go on. And they are faithful when nothing now go on. But when things start go on, they prove to be unfaithful. Faithfulness is that. I am faithful when things are gone. And when things are gone, I'm still faithful. You can still rely on me. Because my faithfulness is not dependent on my circumstances. It is because God is faithful. I have chosen to be faithful. Circumstances don't change God's faithfulness. So it shouldn't change our faithfulness. I want to be very practical and simple. I don't want to give you deep spiritual. I want to be very practical. Because the church needs to be faithful. Developing faithfulness. Develop faithfulness in the era of your promises. Have you ever made a promise in your life? Put your hand up if you have. Come on. I've made. Amen. Almost all of us have made a promise at some point or the other. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 14. I'm giving you scriptures to support these points so you can understand that this is God's word. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of his gifts falsely. What it means like, 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 like clouds and wind without rain. Right? Have you ever seen it look cloudy and you rush to take up your stuff that were wet and put it inside and no rain, don't come. That ever happened to you? Alright, so maybe you don't understand what that scripture is saying because it's in the New American Standard Bible and you probably don't understand it from the King James tran- translation. So let me help you. The message Bible says this. Like billowing clouds that bring no rain is a person who talks big but never produces. Talks big but never Produces. And so, Sister Marla from Galena taught me this. Never forget when she said it. She said, listen. And she was speaking about a particular person. She said, listen. If you come to me, here's what you have to do. Right? It's always better for you to under-promise and over-deliver. Than to over-promise and under-deliver. The scripture speaks to that. A lot of talk, but never produce anything. Do you know people like that? They make promises, but never keep them. They will tell you they will do something, but they never do. Be careful about the promises you make. Why? Because we need to be dependable in what we say. We need to keep our promises. Come on, just put your hand in your chest and say, I need to keep my promises. So if you're going to keep promises, I would say to you, make a few. You understand me? Don't make more promises than fingers. Let me say it again. Don't make more promises than fingers you have. So what you do, 
your maximum is 10 promises. And when you, when you fulfill one, you make a next one. But when it get to 10, it's just no's after that. And you tell the person, listen, I have 10 things right now. And when one fall off and when I've completed one, I can add that. But right now, the 10 fingers are occupied. I see you make a wedding promise. You make a promise to your children so you only have eight fingers leave. You make a promise to God, you only have seven leave. So you know that you're going to have to learn to say no. Because those, those three ain't changing. So you're really working with seven. Right? So we need to keep our promises. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 5. It is better not to make a promise at all than to make one and not keep it. Come on, let's read that together after three. One, two, three. It is better not to make a promise at all than to make one and not keep it. Come on, you need to clap your hands for that scripture. Because I know sometimes you'd rather people not promise you than promise you and not keep it. Amen? Wouldn't you prefer them tell you no don't tell her yes. And then you're depending on them. And what happens? It doesn't come through. Alright? So when you are faithful with your promise, you don't have to convince people that you are. You don't have to make a big deal of it. You don't have to. You don't have to say, cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. Like, 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 really, people say that. I'm thinking like, I mean, I wonder how some of us seen right now. Cross my heart and hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. Just say you will do it. And then you do it. You don't have to be crossing the eye. I swear. You, you, we don't need to do that. In fact, Jesus said, here's what you're supposed to do. When it comes on to promise, Jesus says in Matthew 5 verse 37, when you make a promise, say only yes or no. Because anything else comes from the devil. Maybe comes from I will think about it comes from uh, yes Jesus says when it comes on to a promise you have only two options as a child of God yes or no and you're going to say pastor did Jesus really mean that? It must be something else. Let's look at the Greek. I wonder what it was like in the Greek and stuff. Let your yes be yes and your nay be nay. <laughs> yes or no. And the thing is that that's how we would like to be treated. Listen, I would prefer somebody say no than to string me out. To say yes or no. 
So when it comes on to our promises, we need to be faithful. And so I want to challenge you today. If you have made some promises to people and you have not kept them, you need to go to them and say, listen, I've broken this promise and I'm very sorry. I can't keep it. So can you release me from it? I'm telling you, you we have to repent because we have so many promises. Listen, when we think about sin, many of us don't count broken promises in it. And so we really repent of promises that we break. And I'm telling you, there are some things that will not be released in your life until you repent of the broken promises. There are people who have built up hopes and dreams. There are people who have fallen into deep depression. Done things wrong because you made them a promise. Imagine with me. Imagine with me, you promised me. Uh, they have, you, know, you know what they call doppy money? Doppy is not real, but there's a term called, called doppy money, right? And doppy money is that I get money from you because somebody promised me money. You know how it is like your auntie tell that she's going to send a little thing for your birthday. And you say, all right, well, I must can go and take out the, the, the sofa or quartz. Because my auntie don't tell me that she's going to send me a thousand US. And the sofa of $80,000. Jamaican. So me have all money leave. So you go to quartz and you go zero down. Zero down, they call it. Zero down. Or zero down, you take the sofa. They call that you, you took out something. Based on doppy money. Because your auntie call and tell her, say, you know that Pam did promise me a thousand dollars, you know, and I that without plan to give you, you know. But Pam not dead, man. <laughs> and so we can't send you the thousand dollars again, you know. And you gonna courts gonna take out furniture. What happens is sometimes we give people promise about stuff and, and that causes them to go and make other plans. And then when we don't keep our promise, what happens, it messes up many relationships in their life. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Amen. Second, secondly, develop faithfulness in the area of your relationship. When it comes down to relationship, I mean, recently in our, 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 our secular music, there has been a lot of songs about real friends and friend, friend this and all them friend stuff. And so we all need to cultivate personal loyalty. A faithful person stands by his or her friends. We need friends in the church, in the kingdom of God, who stand by us. They are there through thick and thin. You know, there are some people that when you have it going, they are there. But when you don't have nothing, you can't find them. They are there in your season of prosperity, but in their season of prosperity, they are in malice with you. We need to cultivate personal loyalty. A faithful person stands by his or her friend. See, sometimes you may not get along with a person, but you must remember what they did for you and do back something for them. That's what I'm talking. Listen, we may not get along like we used to, but I remember how you used to be a blessing to me. 
so I can still be a blessing to you because I know that things are difficult for you. Are you here in my church? Proverbs 17 verse 17 says, A friend is always a friend. A friend is always a friend. The Bible is so real. A friend is always a friend. That is why you, you don't really have many friends, you know. You probably have a lot of associates. Because a friend is always a friend. And here's the thing. And relatives are born to share our troubles. That means you need to get along with your family. Don't buy this narrative. But, um, uh, friend, they have this thing about a friend. No, man, they have this thing where they talk about, like, almost they want to say that friend better than family or something. Huh? Good friend is better than, that is that one. But they have one that they, they make a comparison between your family and almost like you're supposed to treasure your friends above your family. I don't know. I, I remember it. It was. See, that's why I need to write down my stuff. Because when I don't write them down, I don't remember. But what's the point I'm making? Yes, we have friends. But the scripture says, family are born to share our troubles. That is why you need to get along with your family. I thank God that, I mean, I, I, I get along with my family. I get along with my brothers and sisters. And my I, I thank God for that. And I want to encourage you because you need family. Listen, most of your friends, they will, they're not going to do your funeral for you. I'm telling, I'm telling you. They will contribute and they will attend. But your family is going to have to do the arrangements. Family is important. Find your brothers and sisters and talk to them. You're a believer. Forgive them. Whatever. You need to get along with your family. Genuine friends are reliable and consistent. They can be counted on in a crisis. They can be relied on when the road gets rough. That's the kind of friends we want. That when the road gets rough, they are there. But, but notice that this ver, ver, verse in Proverbs 17, 17 talks about two groups of people. It talks about friends, but it also talks about relatives. You know, your in-laws may be outlaws, but they are still your in-laws. Wait to know that. So we need to cultivate faithfulness in our relationship. Someone, have you ever heard person say like, you know, if you marry Antoinette, you get Anthony too? Vianism is like, uh, understand this, man, we're relative. If you marry the sister, you get the brother. So when you're getting married, check the rest of the family. I'm, it's, it's serious. If you go, ladies, if you're going to marry a gentleman, find out about his siblings. Because maybe someday down the road, the sibling is going to have to come and live with you. You see, when you're married and you're doing well, 
Many times is when you hear about, oh, oh. yes, you know that we have a cousin. We used to grow up together. But, but they weren't at the wedding. No, but remember we couldn't invite everybody. That's why they weren't there. And they're coming to work down here now and they don't have any place to stay and they call me. And you know we have family, you know. Them can't come stay. To get to know the family. As I don't believe in this. In this blind dating, I think blind dating is a blind people. <laughs> and blind love is a blind people. I, I want to know everything. I want to know who used to be a great grandfather. Because I'm dealing with generational stuff on the paternal side. Relationships with family are important. If we are going to be faithful, we need to be faithful in all aspects of our relationship. It's a years of marriage means years of commitment. It means years of reliability. And so I am thankful that my spouse has always been there at my side. She has stuck with me. Amen? And it means years of dependability. It means years of faithfulness. You have to be trustworthy, reliable. You have to be dependable. So cultivate faithfulness in your relationship. Cultivate faithfulness in the area of your promise. Cultivate faithfulness or develop faithfulness in the areas of your abilities. You have to be faithful when it comes on to your God-given abilities. Listen, I, 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 I watch some of the strangest things. I know some of you don't watch these things, but bear with me. I'm still growing. Uh, but I was watching uh, on stage last night, and they have this Jamaican girl who apparently is a millionaire, and she's 26 years old. They, they call her... Um, what's her name? Nick, Nikki Chrome. Nikki Chromas. Or Nikki, Nikki Chromas or Nikki Chrome. And all, this is a young lady who grew up in an inner city community, left home at 17 years old, and... She's apparently a millionaire now, right? Lots of money. When you check her network and stuff. And all she did, she used to use like creams on her face. And because she just, she, she said when she goes to a party, they pay her $30,000 to just stand up and pose and dress nice. That's all. So she said that like she will do five parties a night. And all she does, she stand up in there because she have this big social media following so many people follow her and come to the party because she is going to be there and they want to see her. All right. And so she said that she does party Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And she gets $30,000 just for standing for around an hour maximum at each of them. All right. Calculate that. All right. So she, she makes no product. But if you have a product and you want to, to make money, she just take the product. And she put our Nikki Chroma's white or whatever on it. And it blows up and sells thousands of thousands. And she makes thousands. She has markets in, in, in all of North America, South America, and Europe. All right? Millionaire. Just saw a 15-year-old in Portmore who came on the news and started uh, doing makeup on her face, all kind of funny stuff. And she 
can't even talk properly. You know, me just, me just got me out. I'm, one day, I'm just dead. I'm just put on some makeup. And, I'm saying, what is wrong, man? That's how she's going on. Listen, making how much money? Why? Using their ability and your talent. And some of you are sitting down unemployed. And you have gifts. Complaining that you have no money. How you think the person started business? The person you want to work for had an ability or a talent. And they were faithful in using it. And you want to benefit from it and you have yours. God has given you spiritual abilities, talents, and gifts. He has made an investment in you. And he wants and expects a return on that investment. First Peter 4 verse 10 says, Each one has received a special gift. Let me say that again. Each one. It means that every person in this church right now, you have at least one gift. It says, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You have a gift. If you don't use the abilities you have been given by God, other people will miss out on what you have to offer. And that's the thing. There are other people who are waiting And what you have so that their lives can be changed and transformed in some way. If you want to become more faithful, use your abilities. Some people are very good at cooking. Some people are very good at organizing. Some people are very good at growing plants. Some people are very good at praying. Some people are very good at showing hospitality. Whatever your ability is, use it. Be faithful with it. Faithfulness does not depend on what I do not have or what I cannot do. Faithfulness depends on what I do with what I have. That's faithfulness. What am I doing with what I have? When you use your ability, gifts and talents, it matters. All right? So let me give you the story of my brother. My brother at 14 years old, 15 years old, when my father was not there because I was not there, he had to prepare food for my little sister. And so he learned to cook. He realized that he had an ability to cook. All right? Now he operates his own business in Canada. Just turned 30, he has created his own jerk marinade, barbecue sauce, curry powder. In his own factory, looking to employ many Jamaicans, sells it on Amazon and eBay, is in all the big supermarkets in Canada, looking to ship them to Jamaica. All right? Don't have a degree, never went to any school to learn how to package, design, and he packages it himself. He made the design himself, created this, the stuff for the sauce, all by himself. What's the point? Because he had an ability 
And he used that ability. And he believed in the ability that was given him. You see, the greatest success you'll have is when you begin to use the gift that God has given you. There are many stories like that. I know it don't seem like a million dollar ideas right now, but because it's your ability, maybe you can just do it better than everybody else because that's your special gift from God. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 20 to 21 and verse 26. It takes many parts to make a single body. That's why the eyes cannot say they don't need the hands. That's also why the head cannot say it doesn't need the feet. If one part of our body hurts, we hurt all over. If one part of our body is honored, the whole body will be happy. You see, all the parts of the body affect all the other parts of the body. We cannot all be brilliant, but we can all be faithful. And faithfulness is what counts with God. So keep your promises, build your relationship, use your ability. Number four, develop faithfulness also in the area of your time. Listen, this is one thing. This is, this is, this is and I'm going to say it, culturally, this is Jamaica's problem. In fact, we have created our own time. God made time. Jamaica is the only country that has its own time. Have you ever heard people say, what time? 12 o'clock. And they ask you, is it Jamaican time? Meaning, if it's Jamaican time, it must be an hour late. Because, huh? so, so, what has happened in our culture is that people who are getting married now, they tell their guests that the wedding is at 2 o'clock. Though the wedding is at 3. three. You know why? Because they know if they tell them 3 o'clock, they're turning up Jamaican time. And Jamaican time is 4. In fact, I'm going to tell you how simple this is. Do you know that most Jamaicans don't go to church early and say they honor God? In fact, in fact, if you had a vote and went to start church, every member would vote and give you a time. And the time that they choose, they still turn up late. Because we're operating on Jamaican time. And Jamaican time is simply this. Be late. In fact, one of our favorite quotes is, better. In other words, well, at least I got here. Hello. I know I'm two hours late and you're about to finish in five, but I got here. But I want to give you a new way of saying that same thing. Better never late. Many people have lost their jobs in Jamaica. You know why? Because they can't even turn up at work on time. But you know what we love to do? We love to leave on time. Listen, don't, don't keep me past my time enough. Then we also like to punish early people for late people. 
So the people who come early, we normally have them wait. We delay. And we punish the people who are faithful to time to honor those who are unfaithful. That is why at church we say, listen, church starts at 7.45. If it's one person, start. Let that one person enjoy the presence because we're going to honor the Lord. And be faithful to the Lord in keeping time. Now, if you're late this morning, I am very sorry. It was actually in my notes before I knew that you were going to be late. And so please don't. Just bear with me, all right? You see, you see but, but time is something we all have in common. In common, right? Everyone has the same amount of time. Every one of us have 168 hours a week. All of us. Listen, I don't have more time than you. And you don't have more time than me. The difference is how we do it. Manage our time. We all have the same time. Ephesians 5.15 says, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. Make the most. Come on, look at the person beside you and just, I know they're not going here because they have on the mask and so on. Make the most of your time. In other words, manage your time well. You see, you can do three things with your time. You can spend it, waste it, or invest it. I don't spend my time. I don't have time to spend. I, have, I spend money. I don't waste my time. I invest my time. And so when I'm going to do something, is it worth me investing my time in it? Too many of us are spending time and wasting time instead of investing time. The best use of your time is to invest it in something that is going to outlast you. Faithfulness involves time management. You see, there are two primary time wasters. Regret and worry. When we regret the past, we waste huge amounts of time looking backward to change something we cannot change anyway. When we worry about the future, we waste time fretting over events that may never happen. And as a result, we waste the time and energy allotted for that day. So, to become a more faithful person, you're going to have to give up what I call when and then thinking. It goes like this. When we pay the bills, then I'll be able to serve the Lord. God says, be faithful now. Look at what it says in Hebrews 3.13. Encourage one another day after day, as long as, as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I just heard a story, right? Just had a friend. Um, every time he finds land, he talks to me about it because he knows that the church is looking for land. said to me that there are some out by Draxall area. When those land started to be sold, there was, I think, an acre and a half that um, the man was selling for 250000 U.S. dollars. So a man, um, a guy went there to purchase it. Or not sure about the amount of land, but $250,000 was the cost. Goes there to purchase it and he was asking the man if he could take a 50,000. 
Simon said no. So he said to the man, I will come back like next month. When he went back next month, it was $350,000. All right, now it's over a million dollars. U.S. for the same piece of land that he was trying to buy. <laughs> Let me offer you a thought. God understands your schedule. And he knows how busy you are. He understands it better than you do. So what should you do? Talk to him about it. Say, God, tell me what I need to cut out. Tell me what I need to add. Tell me what I need to do to make the most use of my time. When you try to burn the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. So you probably need to cut out some things. And God can help you make these choices. Some of us are so busy, but not productive. You don't have time for nothing. But all the time you have, you're spending and wasting it. And you're accomplishing, in, accomplishing in nothing. There are things some of us need to just stop. How much time do you spend browsing the internet? Looking at other people's Facebook pictures and profiles. Finding out what's going on in other people's life. That's time you could be investing in your growth as a person. You could be reading a book about self-development. You could be reading the Bible. How much time you just go through and read all of those little funny jokes on WhatsApp? Hours. People window shop on Amazon for hours. And then say you have no time. How much time do you spend watching television? Uh, listen, I'm guilty of some of this. Listen, I realize that I can't be one of those series watchers. Because it's like it's addiction. You start watching a series and you have to see it end. And next thing you know, the series has 300 and odd episodes. And you're watching it and you realize, oh my God, all right, I'm going to go to my bed after this one. Oh, but what? No, man, I can't go to my bed after this one. <laughs> Whoa! And then they always end it with a demand on your time. Every time they end one of these movies, it puts a demand on your time. Like, Watch the next one. Like he's telling you. He's telling you. Your, your mind is telling you, go to bed. And, and, and the, the, the end of the series just say, watch the next one. Like, and you think, okay, what must I do right now? And you're caught between the two. I say, all right, you know what? Well, I mean, we still going to wake up early. Let's watch the next one. And then you get to the end of that one and you hear the same voice again. Watch the next one. Make your time count. It's a part of being faithful. Also develop faithfulness in the area of your giving. I have heard before that pastors, your pastors should never talk about money. Why not? I need money. You need money. We all need money. In fact, the, the Bible talks about money a lot. And if you want to develop the fruit of faithfulness, you must learn to manage your money. You must learn to manage your money. See, God has given you resources, and how you handle money is a test of your faithfulness to Him. 
test of your faithfulness to him. So Jesus says in, in Luke 16 verse 11, if you cannot be trusted with worldly riches, you will not be trusted with true riches. If God can't trust you with money, how God is going to give you the resources of the kingdom? So God says that if you're not faithful with your material possessions, he will not trust you with spiritual resources. So you need to ask yourself questions like, am I being a wise manager of the money that God has given me? The way you handle your finances determines to a large extent what God can do in your life. To a large extent. Not the only thing, but to a large extent. You know it seems that, that giving to God has, has always been as secretive as it is today. Right? So, I don't know if you remember this story. In, in Mark 12, 41 to 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. So people are very secretive nowadays, you know. So how, how offering used to be collected, at least on this occasion, was that nobody had envelopes. And Jesus, where's the offering basket? Somebody just bring an offering of those offering basket to me. Let me just show you. Okay. Thank you, Brother Chilton. Nice jacket. Amen. So, 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 so the basket was right here, um, and Jesus was sitting right here, looking at who coming. Can you imagine if Jesus came to church this morning, and he really did that? And he said, one, because remember, in those days, they had to come and give offerings. So you had to come up. That's where we get the practice from. So imagine, and they were orderly. So imagine you coming up, and Jesus is sitting right there. And you have no envelope. And remember now, he knows how much money you have. And he knows how much money you're supposed to give. I wonder how many of us would still want to give in a church like that. Scripture goes on and says this. So Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. And here's what it says next. And began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. Not just how much, but how they were doing it. Like, like you think you could have come and just ching all your dime and stuff in there. No. He was observing how they were doing it. Watch this. And many rich people were putting in large sums. So you know that they were able to determine at least those who were putting in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins. You see how specific that is? Two small copper coin. coins. Sorry. So, so Jesus is there and he know that. Then he go. One. Two. Which amount to a cent. Calling his disciples, he said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she owned and she had, and all she had to live on. So Jesus knew what she had, 
how much she could give. And he knew that all, all she could give. Now let me be clear on this. I'm not telling you how you should use your money. That is between you and God. But what I do see in these verses is that the widow put God first. She put God first before any of her own needs. And isn't that amazing that a poor widow is mentioned in the scripture because she gave two copper coins. That, that wasn't the whole point of the story. The point is that she was putting God first. King David wrote this. Willingly, I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me from all my troubles. I am sure that all of you have heard the statement. You can't outgive God. You see, the widow seemed to know that whatever she gave, God was worth it. And David seemed to know that too. Willingly, I will give to you. Willingly, I will sacrifice to you. Willing, willingly, I will give you my all. The management of your money matters. Be faithful in it. You see, I cannot overestimate the importance of faithfulness. Jesus told a parable about a master who went away and left his servant in charge in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. When he returned, the servants were rewarded, not for their ability. They were not rewarded for their knowledge. They were not rewarded for their good intentions. Do you remember what they were re rewarded for? They were, were rewarded for their faithfulness. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Jesus has left you and me in charge of his business here on earth. And one day, he will come back. When he returns, will he find us faithful? God wants you to be faithful in your promises, in your relationships. God wants you to be faithful with your time. God wants you to be faithful with your money or in the area of your giving. We have to be faithful. If you can't keep the promise, don't make the promise. It's that simple. It's not, it's, it's, it's not hard. If you can't keep it, don't make it. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Amen? Listen, I want you to bow your heads with me. If, and what I'm going to ask you, what I'm going to ask you to do is that if you have unkept or unmet promises, promises that you have made that you have not yet kept, you have not yet fulfilled, first I want to ask God to forgive you and commit to God that you will Make it right. If you have not been faithful with your time, maybe you have not honored God's time. Maybe it's at work where you don't turn up on time. Don't know where it's at. Where you'll give people a time and you don't meet that time. Ask for forgiveness. Maybe 
You have not been faithful in, 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 in honoring God first like this widow did. Ask God to forgive you. So we ask you, Lord, to forgive us for not being faithful in the area of giving. We ask you to forgive us, Lord God, for not being faithful in the area of time. Even those times when we have turned up in your house late, we ask you to forgive us, Lord. At the workplace, we have turned up late. We have not been faithful in keeping our promises. We ask you to forgive us. Some of us have not been faithful in being good friends in the relationships in our lives. We have not been the kind of people that others can rely on and depend on. So we ask you to forgive us. We choose to be faithful as you are faithful. For we know that you reward faithfulness. And as your word says that God is faithful, we choose to be faithful this morning. To faithful, to be faithful in our promises. We'll be like you. Yes and no. We thank you for being so patient and kind with us. For you have not cast us aside. Even when we have gone wrong, your love pulls us back to you. And so we repent and we turn to our faithful God and commit to a life of faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, just stand to your feet this morning.